The man was greatly tormented, but when he saw Jesus, he came running to him to worship him. Very interesting. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Bible as we go through it from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk about Mark chapter 5 in about three minutes. In the meantime, Corey and Ryan are here. Corey. Well, I'm going to be taking a look at the Sea of Galilee because Jesus and the disciples are doing a lot of traveling on it in our reading today. Ryan. Today, my segment is all about the messenger God sent to prepare the way for the promised Messiah. I'm talking about John the Baptist. All right, very good. Look forward to that. And Janice. Today, I want to talk about deals with the devil. All right, so take your Bible guide out. If you don't have one, why not? You can call us or write to us or go to Bible Discovery TV and find one and get a hold of one. Open up the most important book of all. That is the book of God. And let's listen to what he says. Mark 5, 1 through 13. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you, by God, that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine, that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about two thousand. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. We continue on in the book of Mark, chapter 5 and chapter 6. You know, Mark is the shortest gospel. Gospel means good news. Accordingly, he leaves out a lot of details. He seems to have less focus on giving us details and more focus, clearly and concisely authoritative, on the record of Jesus Christ's ministries. And he set the record, which was an important job. Thankfully, one of the roles of the other gospel writers was to fill in some of those details, which Mark doesn't give us. In our reading today, Mark has an interesting emphasis on the reactions of evil spirits to Jesus Christ. 
In Mark 5, we learn that demonic spirits possessed a man, which forced him to live among the tomb area or among the cemeteries. Now, as we read it, it seems that the man was in intense pain and the demons, they keep him in great torment. Now, some have conjectured that there may be or may have been a kind of deal between the people and the spirits in this land. Jesus arrives in this area known as the Gadarenes, also known as the Gesesenes, and his presence quickly changes the atmosphere. Even the spirits have no choice but to bow to Christ as Lord and Master. They don't seem to have a choice. They, they come and say, why have you tormented us? This is a, a great story today as we focus on this. Now, my suggestion is take your Bible guide and turn to it. Uh, the reality is that if you don't have a Bible guide, my question would be, why not? But if you do, that's great. But if you don't have one, you know, you can call us or write to us or go to Bible Discovery TV and click on it. It'll take you to the donate pages. Thank you so much for the donations. We don't tell you how much it's, you know, we expect the Holy Spirit uh, to treat us accordingly and give you everything you need to give whatever you desire. And thank you so much. Takes you to a page you can download it just like we have it printed. Today we deal with evil reacts. Evil reacts. Let's pray. Father, as we think about this, you know, we like to, we like to be people who think about the positive all the time, all the time, the positive. Well, that's true. We remember the evil, but we think about the positive. We remember the evil, but think about the positive. Lord, we, we understand evil from your word. And we understand evil from the experience in this life, but your word is where we gain most of our knowledge. Help us today to hear from the Holy Spirit. These are his words and his words to us. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen. Now, when we apply the scripture here, that means that's the Holy Spirit's word to us. Let's take a look at this book. Mark 5, verses 1. Or say this. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadaneras. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him. And the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus... When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. This is absolutely fascinating. I need you to hear this. The man was greatly tormented, but when he saw Jesus, he ran to Jesus to worship him. Beloved, we must always remember that evil is no match against God. Did you get that? Evil is absolutely no match against God. A lot of Christians are really interested in promoting evil and finding out evil and saying this spirit, that spirit, here is spirit, there is spirit. But we need to focus on one, and that is the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ himself.
We need to focus on that because God has given us the strength and the power through His Spirit. And His Spirit is the most powerful thing in the spiritual world. We need to keep that in mind. All right, now we go back to Mark chapter 5, verse 7. It says this, And He cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus? Listen to what He calls Him. Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Interesting. For he said to him, come out of the man unclean spirit. And then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. I need you to hear this. Many spirits can possess a man or woman. Many spirits. The Bible teaches that the laws of the spiritual are not like that of the physical. The laws of the spiritual are not like that of the laws of the physical. This is so important when we deal with this because I, I talk to people all the time and they need to understand, first of all, that they, if they are Christians, that they have the Holy Spirit inside of them, representing them. So it's not that we need to be timid or back off. We just need to understand what God is doing and what that spirit is afraid of and what's going on. We need to hear that so that we understand that the Holy Spirit is in us to make that spirit known, and depending on whether it wants to go or stay, it depends on the person, whether that spirit even has permission to be in our presence. Now, I want to say that because it's very important. Many people are still in today's world demonized, but nevertheless, when we come to Christ, our bodies, our spirits are possessed by the Holy Spirit. We are His. We belong to him. All right. Now watch this. Mark chapter 5, 10 to 13. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine were feeding there near the mountain. So all of the demons begged him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2000. That's a lot of money in those days, by the way. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. A lot of money was lost. Now think about this. The evil spirits had to submit to Jesus Christ and his decision. As Christians, we submit and belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do everything that he desires us to do. That's our fight in, in the Christian life. I want to do what I want to do, but I need to do what he told me to do. And so when, he, when I do what he tells me to do, I feel better about it. But nevertheless, we have to keep that in mind. Paul said that, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? You see, Paul told, told us this, and we'll read about that a little bit later on in a few weeks. But we need to understand that if we are in Jesus Christ, if we've invited the Lord to be the Lord of our life, then we have invited his Holy Spirit to be in us. And his Holy Spirit is totally different than any spirits because it is the Holy Spirit, the only one. That is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Something that we need to think about and consider as we are in the book of Mark. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
When you clap and when you get excited, you are celebrating life. Do you understand that? Jesus Christ gave us life. But he promised that the Holy Spirit would be sent. All right, so if you have read our assigned reading today, which is Mark chapter five and six, you will have noticed that Jesus and the disciples are doing a lot of traveling. But in these particular chapters, Mark tells us that they're not traveling by foot, they're traveling by boat on the Sea of Galilee. And this makes a lot of sense. There seems to have been um, many different ports or harbors that you could go to, uh, docking places that you could go to on the Sea of Galilee. It was a very efficient method of transportation if you had access to boats. So let's take a look at the Sea of Galilee, specifically in the first century, and see what we can learn. In Jesus's day, the Sea of Galilee was an important body of water utilized for travel, the distribution of goods and crops, and of course, for fishing. Hundreds of different ships would have traversed the waters of this 14 by eight mile lake, and 15 to 16 ancient ports provided docking points and shelter from storms. The Sea of Galilee is also Israel's only freshwater lake and is the world's lowest geographical freshwater lake. It's also known by the names Sea of Tiberias, the name of an important city in Jesus's day, and the Lake Kinneret. Today, its waters are higher than they were in the first century. This has long been evidenced by the flooding of the ruins of ancient homes and villages that would not have originally been built where they could be regularly flooded by the seasonal changes of the lake. More evidence comes in the form of modern droughts. When drought arrives and the level of the lake recedes, ancient ports and their ruined breakwaters are revealed. The higher level of the lake today is due to a natural change that occurred around a thousand years ago. The main outlet of the lake into the Jordan River was silted up and replaced by an outlet of smaller size that slowly rose the level of the lake, resulting in water that's three feet higher than in Jesus's day. Today, the Sea of Galilee has a large tourist industry thanks to its appearance in the Gospels. Jesus sailed here, taught here, walked on water here, calmed storms, and visited villages and cities surrounding the lake. And now, thanks to archaeological investigation, a lot is known about the harbors where he and the disciples would have docked. Ancient harbors consisted of breakwaters, which were large stone-constructed arms that would extend out into the lake to create an area of still water for ships to be safer from the lake's famous storms. After the breakwaters, piers would be built to moor ships to, and promenades where sailors, travelers, and merchants could walk. Harbors could also have markets for selling fish, areas to repair boats, storehouses, administrative buildings, watchtowers, and even Roman toll stations. We're told in the Gospels that the disciple Matthew Levi worked at a tax booth in Capernaum, which apparently was a popular port for travelers and trade. Work at Capernaum has revealed a large harbor with several piers of different shapes and sizes, including long and curved piers and triangular shaped piers. At Kersey, which was known as Gergesa, the site of Jesus's exorcism of demons from a man into a herd of pigs, a large shallow rock cut pool was a part of the ancient harbor. Researchers believed that fishermen would keep their live fresh caught fish in it for sale. 
At the ancient city of Gadara, breakwaters enclosed an area of three acres and boasted a very large promenade. Some researchers believe that from this harbor, Roman nautical games reenacting naval battles were performed. So there we go. There's a lot of history and archaeology in this region of the Galilee that we are going to be exploring over the next few days and weeks here on Bible Discovery. So I hope that you tune back in. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. You know, the, the name Galilee means village of Nahum. So it's very You mean Capernaum. Capernaum, Capernaum yes, in the, the Gal home yes. base, yes. But it's very, very interesting. That's a great one. All right. Ryan, go ahead. All right. So today I'm talking about the man who fulfilled this Isaiah prophecy. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the Baptist was the man appointed by God for this role, and that's exactly what he did. Now, he was a bit of an eccentric, but this isn't really surprising since he's considered to be the last of the Old Testament prophets. And the Old Testament prophets were all a little bit eccentric. But John the Baptist was probably not at all what people expected. Let's take a look. John the Baptist has been accurately described as an imposing figure in the opening pages of the New Testament, wearing coarse camel's hair and leather, eating locusts and wild honey, shouting at the top of his lungs in a wilderness place to the penitents and curious. John leaps out of the gospel pages as a frightening first figure of a new age. He rants of the coming judgment when the unjust will be destroyed. He demands conversion. He washes those who have begun to change their lives. And he is ultimately beheaded by a ruler who would not repent. John the Baptist inaugurates the good news of God's kingdom like a champagne bottle shattered against the hull of a new ship. John's birth had been foretold centuries earlier by the prophet Isaiah, who described him as the voice of one crying in the wilderness, and one who would prepare the way of the Lord, and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It would be the angel Gabriel who would announce the coming fulfillment of this prophecy to John's unsuspecting parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah was a priest, and Elizabeth, a relative of Jesus' mother Mary, was of the daughters of Aaron and the boy would be a miracle child, since Elizabeth was barren, and both she and her husband were elderly. Gabriel also revealed to them that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in the womb, and that he would go before the promised Messiah in the spirit and power of Elijah. John was to be extremely unique. In fact, as one author quips, if God wanted to draw a crowd before introducing his son to the world, John the Baptist was a great choice. Crowd appeal was guaranteed, given John's creative blend of qualities. Indeed, although most sons would follow in their father's footsteps to the priesthood, John became a monk-like prophet, who fully embraced the wilderness life. He also began baptizing people in the Jordan River, earning him the moniker John the Baptizer. He apparently adapted the idea from the Jewish practice of taking a ritual bath to purify oneself for worship. On one occasion, as John was preaching and baptizing, he saw Jesus coming towards him and exclaimed, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Though John perhaps had suspected all along that his own relative was the Messiah, he now knew for certain. Any further doubt was removed when the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus after his baptism. Though Jesus' path had now been made straight, John continued on with his ministry. 
However, when he later confronted King Herod about his incestuous relationship with his brother's wife Herodias, Herod threw him into prison. Soon after this, Herodias conspired to have John executed and for his head to be brought out on a silver platter for display. Though John died before his 40th birthday, his mission had been accomplished. So after about 400 years of silence, after the last of the Old Testament prophets, John suddenly appears on the scene and prepares the way for the long-awaited Messiah, Jesus. And in ancient times, when a ruler was about to make a journey, workers would spend countless hours preparing the road for him by removing any debris, thus making his path straight. And in the same way, John was spiritually making the paths of the Messiah straight by preparing the hearts of the people. Very interesting. Very good. Thank you, Ryan, very much. Now, you and Corey and Janice are going to be at Faith Gospel Tabernacle on October the 3rd or 21st. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the first time we've done this live event together. In, in, in person. person yeah. In, uh, we yeah. often, we can, we stream okay. live from I, the studio a lot. I start that. You always finish it for me, but I, first You're time we've done this up. live event personally. In person, yeah. In person. And yeah. so... This is going to be interesting. You're going to be speaking, Ryan. You're going to be mm -hmm. speaking, Corey. Yep. And Janice, you're going to be speaking. And you as well. So uh, we're going to get a chance to meet you. So uh, why not join us on October the 21st from 1 o'clock in the afternoon until 530. We're going to be there and we'll have some question and answer. And we'll have a, it'll be great to see you if you can get there. If you're in the Ontario area or the New York State area and get in, that'd be great to see you. So please, please come out and see us. Janice. Well, I titled my segment today, Deals with the Devil, and it's something that I don't want any of us to do, having dealings with the devil. And it's a really interesting chapter, isn't it, in Mark, in Mark chapter 5, when Jesus arrives uh, to the country of the Gadarenes, and he meets up with this man who is totally demon-possessed. In fact, Jesus asks the name, and he says, Legion, for, for we are many. And, and we know that story Rod has taught on it. But what, I, what really perplexes me here is when the people of that region were told what had happened, it says in verse 16, and those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. So the news got out very quickly about the man being returned to normal and a herd of at least 2,000 uh, pigs running into the ocean and, and drowning. And it says, then they began to plead with him, Jesus, to depart from their region. When they saw this man restored, um, and we know that the, the, the state that he was in beforehand, and when they saw the power and the authority in Jesus that sent these swine into the ocean, they wanted nothing to do with him. They wanted him gone. They saw the effect of what was going on in their community. That would have impacted their income, their industry, their way of life. They didn't want him there. Now, the man who God had released from these demons wanted to go with Jesus. And Jesus said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has compassion, had compassion on you. And, um, so Jesus was telling him, you need to stay here and tell your testimony. It's the same with you and I, friends, when we give our hearts to the Lord Jesus. Uh, and he has that impact on us. Sometimes 
the Lord will send us places to tell people. And other times he will have us to stay and be a witness to our friends and our family. Now, we come into the next verses and it says, now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, there were all these multitudes of people that knew of Jesus, knew the healing, knew of his teachings that came around. And it says here, and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogues came, Jairus by name. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. It was the same reaction that the, the, the man possessed by the demons had. The man ran to Jesus and began to worship him. This man came to Jesus the same way, worshiping him and asking him to come and heal his daughter, which uh, Jesus did. But it says here, so Jesus went with him, this is verse 24, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. The difference here, the difference of what the presence of Christ will bring. As believers, when we are confronted with the power and the authority and the true person of who Jesus is, we each have a choice to make in our lives. We can be like the demoniac man who fell down and worshipped at Jesus' feet and, and received the healing, and, and yet those around him, some of them would have come to faith in Christ. Others said, leave our area, we don't want you around here. We will be received like that in some places. But as this man who is healed by Jesus was told by God, stay and tell your testimony, tell of the great things that have been done, that's what we need to do as well. When we have been touched by the Master, when we have been touched by the Lord Jesus, our lives are changed. Some around us won't understand. They'll say, get away. But our purpose in serving the Master, in serving Jesus, in following Him, is to share the good news with everyone else. Some will reject it. Many others will not. They'll come to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus and each one of us are given that decision uh, on what to do with the Lord Jesus. So let's not make deals with the devil. When Jesus comes in, he wants to change us completely. And we need to make ourselves totally available. You can read what happened to the man possessed and how Jesus restored him. He'll do the same for you. October 21st is a great day, and I just want to remind you again that we're going to be live uh, with you there at Faith Gospel Tabernacle in Brampton, Ontario. It's going to be a great time, and so if you make time to join us from 1 p.m. till 5.30 p.m., we'll meet you and talk to you, and it'll be great. We're going to be making presentations. Now, let's pray. Father, I want to pray. I want to live my life in submission, and actually, I want to do your will, not my will. Help me, Lord.